All right, I got to warn you, this is the first time I've ever recorded anything live, so I hope I do an okay job. It seems like we're doing good technically on stuff, but uh, here we go. We'll jump right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our my very first live taping of Renoites. Good to have you all here. Thank you. Woo! Thank you. It is very, very exciting. First, I just want to thank everyone who came together to help me make this happen. Well, thank you so much for inviting me here to Black Rabbit Mead. We're recording live today at Black Rabbit Mead Company here on 4th Street, uh, just east of downtown in Reno in the brewery district. So thanks to Black Rabbit Mead, to the 4th Street Art Project, Dead Ringer, Minimal Movement, Prague. Uh, also, my regular Renoites partners normally. Thank you, DJ Trivia. I host DJ Trivia. Black Rabbit Mead is one of our venues for DJ Trivia, too. So if you have not played DJ Trivia, this is a great venue to check it out. I think that is on Tuesday nights, Tuesday nights here at Black Rabbit Mead. I'm very excited to welcome my guest as part of the 4th Street Art Project. This is a series of interviews with local artists from our artist community. And my guest tonight is Nick Rogers, who is very active in our local electronic music scene and behind the Basecamp Music Festival, which is a really awesome event. So I'm super excited to talk about, yes. To talk about to talk about Reno's uh, music scene and the Basecamp Festival and Nick's experience in music here in Reno. So give it up for our guest this week, Nick Rogers. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Nick. Before we start talking about Reno specifically, I just want to learn a little bit about you and kind of how you've come to work in the Reno music scene. So how long have you been involved in live music in Reno, either performing or creating events? And what kind of sparked you to take an active role in making live music events happen? So in Reno, it probably started in 2014, 2015. Uh, Basecamp itself started in 2013 in South Lake Tahoe. Um, you know, it, the festival went off the first year with a bang and a sellout. And we're like, yo, we have something special with this. Like, how do we do this year round? So year round, you know, we tried to do it in South Lake. It's a very hard market to do. I'm not saying that Reno isn't a hard market to do it either. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, the full-time crowd lived in Reno. So it was just a natural progression to move shows to Reno and do these big tours that were coming to Reno. Excellent. Yeah, I always think of Reno and Lake Tahoe and Sparks, kind of like the Reno area as one, not totally unified, but kind of connected scene for music and culture and events and yeah, arts. It's, and it's stuff. one place. Like you're going to go to a show in at the CBC or at Bally's or wherever it is at the lake, if it's a good show too. Like that's that's our community is going to go to that. Absolutely. So Basecamp is mostly, it's an electronic music festival, but this weekend with Basecamp also has two other festivals. There's a bluegrass festival and a reggae festival, but I know that your focus is mostly on the electronic music. Can you talk a little bit about, have you always been into electronic music or what do you think special about electronic music as a genre that's drawn you to it? So my love for it came in college. Um, uh, I, I was in a sound design school and just sounds in general provokes such a feeling to me that it it just does something to me and in electronic music hit that harder than any other genre I'd ever been a part of growing up I was you know the hardcore kid I went to metal shows I went to punk shows like that shit really clicked for me too but until I went to like my first rave official rave I really understood like 
there's no aggro. There's just love. Like this is what I'm into. Like I'm not an aggressive person. I want to just enjoy good music and dance around and act a fool. Mm-hmm. That's where I can do it. Yeah. Tell me about that. What was your first kind of like rave uh, festival type experience? And um, uh, what first, was that like for you? The first one I ever went to was EDC Los Angeles. The last year they did it in Los Angeles, and that just blew my mind wide open. I was. I was definitely one of those like college bro kind of guys that went to it with like, you know, shirt off with face paint and kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, no one judged me about it either. And I, I learned a lot going there and I was like, this is for me. This is for sure for me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I always listened to kind of like hip hop stuff and the beats in like underground hip hop really clicked with me too. So it just felt right mm-hmm. when I was there and listening to that kind of music and, Um, I was listening to a lot of metal bands that had like synths in them and electronic kind of vibes to them as well. And I was really tailoring myself to those bands as well. And that kind of just moved me into that whole dubstep movement that happened in like 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and then moving to Southlake in 2010 was right when the peaked and there was a a night when womp womp wednesday at opal nightclub is where really just everything came together and was like yep this is it this is what i'm gonna do and um you know every other night at that club sucked hard it was like top 40 crap and it was the same (laughs) shit every fucking night (laughs) that they had there except for wednesday and i'd be that guy bugging the dj DJ David Aaron, shout out. Thank you for being my friend still. <laughs> um, I would go to him like, yo, when's the house music or when's like the electronic stuff starting? He'd be like, yeah, I just got to wait. You just got to wait. You just got to wait. And I would. I'd wait all night and he would play it and I'd be so happy. And then I'd, you know, close the place out with it. And it just, that was, that was my life for a few years in Tahoe. And then they stopped it. And I was like, someone has to pick up the ball here. Mm. Who's going to do it? Gotcha. So is that when you started thinking about creating your own events and um, getting into the, the event space That's when yourself? I started teaching myself how to DJ. Oh, okay. So yeah, you create music too, or you DJ, you yeah, perform DJ, as well. Yeah, I DJ, I do produce a little bit too, but um, for the most part, I like I just enjoy playing music. That's It's just a f- great release and great hobby to have, and it brings me so much joy to mm-hmm. control and manipulate a crowd to what you like and it's unworldly. Yeah. That's one of my questions I have is like, what do you like about performing in front of a crowd? So there's different types of performing. I do a podcast, which I normally record separately from a crowd, but we're doing a live episode tonight. It's fun to, it's fun to be in front of people. It really is. And I host trivia night. So I, I really do enjoy that kind of being in front of a crowd. It, uh, you know, it turns something on in your nervous system a little bit where you get a little anxious sometimes, or you start to, uh, it's a different vibe entirely when you're in front of a crowd. What is it about that that you really enjoy? So you put on these events, you put on festivals where you're not necessarily performing, but there are times when you get up there in front of the crowd. So what do you appreciate about that? What do you like about that? Why is that it's such a draw energy. for you? It's the energy you, whatever you give, you get back like tenfold. And it's, unreal like it's better than any drug you could ever take like you'll never feel anything like you do controlling a crowd like giving them what you love and receiving that love back for what you're doing is it's top notch there's Mm -hmm. nothing like it how do you compare the kind of like feeling of being in the zone when you're at a music event or you're at a rave or you're at a festival whatever and you're in the crowd and it's crowded and you're jumping up and down to the feeling that you get when you are effectively all alone when you're on stage. Like you're not in the crowd, but you're with them in a way. 
Uh, like, this, what's the difference there? Is, is it a different honestly, vibe? Honestly, it's the same feeling. Like, I will get just as hype in a crowd for somebody that I love performing mm-hmm. as I will on stage performing for the crowd. It's it's just the music. The music does something to me that I love. Mm-hmm. What about, so the festival environment versus the, like, club environment, right? So you do a base camp festival, which is up in Lake Tahoe. It's outdoors. Music festivals, I always think of as being these big outdoor events. And I, I looked at your YouTube, and you have some videos where you're DJing out in, like, the at sunset in the middle of an empty field, and there's this very nature vibe. Uh, I, we're going to talk a little bit about Burning Man, and Burning Man is very much an outdoor experience. The whole idea of Burning Man is it's in the middle of the desert. It's out there under the sun and the elements. So what do you think the connection is with the music and the nature? Because you think of those things as being kind of separate, right? In nature, there is no electronic music, right? Like that is a man-made thing. But all of these events have this kind of tie-in with the, the natural world and the, the human world of electronic music and gathering. Uh, why do you think there's such a draw for outdoors music or for festivals to be well, these big outdoor events? You, like that feeling that you get when you go camping, like the freedom, the, the nature, the fresh air you bring that to your, your music, like what, like it's just a perfect match. Um, you know, being outdoors just makes you happy in general, breathing in fresh air, clean air, like the sun beating on you, the breeze coming through, cooling you off, like the elements, those are all huge things that pretty much everyone can uh, relate to and enjoy. Now you put your favorite music to that too, on a huge system with a giant lighting, mm-hmm. Like, what is there not to love about that? Totally. So tell me about Basecamp. So Basecamp is a music festival. This is the fifth year. For folks who are not that familiar with music festivals, can you just talk about what Basecamp is? What kind of artists you bring? The location? Yeah, so, uh, like, paint us a picture of Basecamp. So Basecamp started in 2013 um, as a partnership between me and the co-founder, uh, Paul Reeder. Um, I was just actually working at a TV uh, TV station producing a nighttime show and he was the host and we just became friends because, you know, I'm talking into his ear, telling him what to do all the time and he loved it. And so we realized, Hey, we both love electronic music. Like he has a long history of doing it. Um, he, I, he was booking Cascade and Tiesto at, uh, uh Mont Blue, early two thousands, Paul Oakenfold. And, he just, you know, that's, he loves it too. And so we just bonded over that and we're like, let's, let's do something like let's, let's produce some shit. And mm-hmm. so we did, we did like a April 20th show at Mont Blue and it went really well. And we're like, you know, let's, he was already doing a concert series, uh, for Mont Blue that year. And I'm like, let's do electronic show too. Mm-hmm. And so that's where Basecamp was born. Um, we were just sitting one day texting each other, like, what do we call this? What do we call this? And this was before Basecamp Pizza. It was before Basecamp Hotel. We were the first Basecamp in South Lake. So mm-hmm. let's get that right. <laughs> Trademark it. Yeah. Um, and we spell it differently, too. You know, Bass as in a sub, B A S S. And it's not Bass Camp. <laughs> do people who not know music call oh it Bass Camp? You get it all the time. It's like Bass Camp? Is like a fishing thing? Nah, bro. Think of like a speaker. Um, but yeah, that's where it started. Um, that was in 2013. We did a festival every year until about 20, I think 2016 was our last year we did it. Um, we just wanted to, um, find a, a, a better spot really just somewhere where we could have camping and all those other big festival stuff. And it just, it's really hard in our area to mm-hmm. accomplish that. 
So, uh, we, but we continue to do shows year round. We have some staple events like winter white is our white party, um, our spring breaks party, our Halloween party, um, our back to school party. So we were consistently doing things throughout the year and it just kept growing and it's just such a passion for us. Um, you know, it's, it's super fun. And so the music is, it, it was tailored definitely to more of the bass music. Um, that's just cause what, that was what was really big and popular when we first started the brand, but now we do everything. So house music, techno, drum and bass, like whatever your subgenre is in electronic music, mm-hmm. if it's good, we're going to book it and we're going to bring it to town. So that's, that's where we're at now. And, um, that's kind of the little short cliff notes of the backstory of, uh, where we came from. Right on. How's it changed over the years? So from when you, you first started, has it grown in size? Have you added different kind of acts? I know that you have, again, like additional festivals the same weekend. Uh, how has it kind of grown and changed? What have you learned along the way? Uh, it's grown a lot. I mean, most things that have grown is the people that run it. Mm. Like we're running it way smarter. We're doing more quality shows over quantity of shows. Um, that's That was the biggest thing is just learning what this market wants and how it's ever changing and keeping on top of like what's hot right now and Mm -hmm. what do these people want to see and what do we need to bring and what do we need to make people know about and to be aware of yeah how much of it is um figuring out what is at the kind of like the cutting edge or what's happening or what's new versus following what people are already doing and already want, right? Like when you're booking, are you trying to find things that are introducing your audience to new artists or new genres or is part of running a festival that you have to be tuned in with what people actually want right now? it's, It's a little bit of both. So on your top end, you need that person that's already there already selling out places, already doing the world tours. And below that, the second support, the direct support, that's where I like to have a lot of fun and bring in those new artists. Cause you know that you already know you're going to probably do pretty well, but if you can like pull an artist and grow them in your market and then bring them back for a bigger show or bring them back to headline their own show. That's such a cool feeling. And you build that relationship with that management team, that artist, the the agency, like it's really cool to help build an artist that you believe in. And that's mm-hmm. a lot of fun is building the undercard to the headliner. Yeah. What are the relationships like with all of the acts that you book for the festivals? I imagine that's part of a, a fun part of doing a festival is you get to interact with and book and talk to all you know you get to you get to meet all your heroes kind of right it's super fun because they you know you guys are all doing it for the same reason because you love it and it's also really fun too because i can go to any city that i want and be like agent hey what's up i'm in here and i hook me up with some tickets to the show (laughs) and it usually works so it's really nice and you know you you work with the same people the industry is super small so you talk to these same handful of people like year round and you're booking 100 plus shows with some of these agents throughout the year. So mm-hmm. you become really tight and talk to them. You may never like hang out with them in person, but shit, man, there's a agents that I've been working with since 2013 that I've never met before, but I could talk to them about like my regular life and mm-hmm. what's going on. And it's super cool because it's just tight knit. And then when you do go to these other cities and you hang out with the artists and it's like so fun because you're somebody that they know in a city they might not know 
in a city that you probably don't know either. And mm. then you bond and have a good time together. Or you go to places like Burning Man and you go do Burning Man shit with them. And then it's such a connecting point for everything. Oh, totally. Yeah, no, I want to talk to you about Burning Man because I haven't been to Burning Man before, but I understand the influence that Burning Man has on Reno. And I want to talk to you a little bit about the, the musical influence on Burning Man. But first, a couple more things with Basecamp. Uh, what's it like for you on the day of? So like when you're you're booking this event, you create this thing, are you working or do you get to go actually like have fun? What's what's your actual experience at uh, at Basecamp? <laughs> Yeah. So I'm, I'm, yeah. Do you do you still do you still get to like it even oh, yeah, though absolutely. you are working? One hundred percent. By the time the show the gates open and people are coming in, I better have all my shit done. Mm -hmm. Like if it's not, then I'm I'm failing. So for the most part, I have all my stuff done by the time people are walking into the doors, and I'm kind of just there to like put out fires as they come. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's. I mean, I I don't have to like run the soundboard i don't have to do the lighting like that's where you hire your team to do you know you hire your, your, your lighting guy your sound guy that you trust and you know that they got it and if they do ever need anything they know who to come to and who will fix the problem um so that's that's like the day of show it's you know that sound check is pretty stressful especially if you know i have a pre-bandana fucking <laughs> artist that needs something super specific and it's like no you don't really need that because you're not going to use it but we digress and, <laughs> and it, yeah so it's it is what it is it's super fun you, you know you you handle your business and you make it happen mm -hmm. so yeah. Excellent. Um, tell me about some of the other spinoff events. So I know Basecamp is this all-day festival in Lake Tahoe, but I so I live near the Truckee River, kind of by Keystone, and I remember, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, um, it was like, I don't know, eight or nine at night, and I heard like loud, thumping techno music coming from Wingfield Park, so it was like right downtown, but super loud, and kind of like filled the downtown area with like serious electronic music vibes. It was pretty rad and I had never heard that before. So can you tell me a little bit about some of the other events that you do? There's the Wingfield kind of mini base camp. Yeah. So uh, we like, have, yeah. What are the other events? So we have two, uh, two other outdoor events that we do down here in Reno, uh, Wingfield park. It's called base camp in the park. We've been doing that. This will be our fourth year doing that. Um, super fun. We bring in the Danstronauts art car yet. That system on there is legit. Um, you know, they got in trouble at Burning Man for being too loud. Like that's a, that's a <laughs> that's a feat in itself. So yeah, the, the first year we did it, we got in like the, there's a guy uh, over at um, that old theater, the Lear Theater, mm -hmm. and he was doing like a play on the steps, and he lost his shit <laughs> because we were so loud. And that was the only complaint we've ever really had mm -hmm. for any of these outdoor events downtown. But luckily, he decided not to do his event when we're doing ours anymore. Um, and then uh, Believe Sign, we just did last year for the first time, and that was super awesome. That was such a cool venue. Nice. Um, we're bringing, yeah, we're bringing that back this year again, and that will be another staple event that we'll do every year as well. Um, yeah, the community definitely loves it. It's such a unique setting having the Believe Sign mm -hmm. artwork as the backdrop for the stage, and you know, just beams and strobes and lasers. It's super cool it's just perfect for an event and i can't believe that we were the first person people to ever do a concert at that at that venue mm -hmm. so it's it's pretty cool so uh september 17th 
for the belief sign this year and October 8th for Wingfield Park. Oh, nice. Right on. So that's nice that you also have events kind of throughout the year too, mm-hmm. right? So base camp itself was in July. Then you have events in the fall too. Yeah. And then during the winter time when we can't be outside, we have, we have cargo and we do smaller club shows as well too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, stuff all year round. Yeah. How do you like the vibe in the smaller club shows versus the large festival events or the outdoor events? Well, I, mean, I mean, it's a very different environment, right? Like, yeah, what do you what do you enjoy? Or, or what I'd enjoy is that it's easier. <laughs> I don't have to build the whole venue, yeah. which is super nice. Um, and you know, I love Cargo. The staff at Cargo is so great to us and such a clean and proper venue that it, that's that's our second home for sure. And we love them over there. So shout out Cargo. Um yeah, and club shows are fun too because you get to bring in the smaller artists, you get to pack in the room, you get to get everyone super tight and mm-hmm. have a good time. Like you, the energy in the smaller room is easier to capture. Yeah, what was it like over the last couple of pandemic years? Because you uh, said you started base camp earlier, and then uh, obviously events did not go very well the last couple of years. So how did you how did you deal with that? Was just things were just canceled, or did you find other ways to work around? Uh, what's your experience been like the last couple of years, and what's so, like coming out of it now? Yeah, so when pandemic started, it was really shitty, obviously, um, and we just kind of like we we always had this idea of starting a record label. Um, and we're like, what better time than now? Um, so we did start a record label during the pandemic that kind of, you know, everyone was at home hanging out and live streaming. We did a, a couple of live streams. Um, we actually did one from um, Tahoe itself where we brought in like headliners to come and, you know, p- play for our live audience. And that was pretty fun. Had to pull a lot of strings to make that happen. Uh, but yeah, uh, we had like eight artists come up to Tahoe and like, that we're all kind of friends with. So, you know, could have them stay at your house and not worry <laughs> right. about it too much. Um, so yeah, that, that was, that was awesome. We're kind of on a holding pattern with the record label right now, just cause we want to get all the bigger stuff rolling again. And, you know, promoting is not the easiest job. It's not all glitz and glamor. Like people think it is stressful as shit. It's like gambling because you don't, sometimes you just don't know if it's going to win or not. And yeah. so I don't gamble <laughs> because I'm a promoter. Like right. that is my gambling. Um, but it just brings so much joy to mm. bring people together and for something that you love so much to see other people love it so much too. Yeah. Is the, does the promoting suck? Because I am finding that for the podcast, I like talking to people. I like the production. I like meeting people. I like learning about what's going on. But uh, I don't love marketing, right? I think that the marketing and trying to just get the word out there all the time doesn't feel like it is, um, it's an important part of the job, but it's not as fun. Do you find the same thing where there's parts of doing the work that you do that feels more like a chore and less of like a labor of love? And how do you, how do you deal with that when you have parts yeah, of the I job mean, that like, the, that's the that hardest, suck? That's the hardest part is the marketing part because things are ever changing with social media platforms and, you know, just radio stations, billboards, like whatever it is. And it's expensive. So that's your biggest cost as a promoter is the marketing. You have to get that. You have to get the word out and spread it every way possible that you could ever imagine to get the word out just to feel like you're doing all right. And then, you know, we live in a smaller market. It's it. You're not getting to sell out in advance for the most part. Like you rely it's a heart attack. Like every, I'm taking years <laughs> off my life being a promoter because I'm always worried about crap. We're only at 50%, like two mm-hmm. weeks left. And then that week of comes and you sell out, you 
get damn close to sell out where you sell out within mm-hmm. the last two days and you're just like okay yeah. we're good but it's that's something that you go through every show yeah. and it's just part of the game you better get used to it and if you can't handle it you probably shouldn't be a promoter mm. yeah is that uh do you, is most of the audience from the reno area where do people come to yeah so we uh, to base camp from? for for the most part our our general um fan base is reno but we get a ton of people from sac san jose bay area um, we get people from fresno i mean for the festival i can see where ticket buyers are coming from we got people from colorado utah arizona southern california all over um portland up into seattle even too so this is a whole west coast kind of thing that i mean tahoe is a destination for the world so you know people i'm very blessed that we even get an opportunity to throw um, this kind of scale event in tahoe totally yeah i think the proximity to tahoe is so valuable for reno especially for something like a music festival where maybe people might not come to base camp in reno but they'll come to base camp in tahoe and that is a huge benefit for people who live in this area too right Mm -hmm. that was the the biggest growing point for us was being able to be able to do that first festival in tahoe Mm -hmm. otherwise it's this one had gone anywhere. Yeah. What about the other spinoff events? So you do a bluegrass festival the day before and you do a reggae festival the day after. Was that part of the original plan to have a variety of genres that you could so, kind of piggyback on each other? So historically, we've always done them on back-to-back weekends, not back-to-back days. So the last year we did the full reign of festivals was 2016. And it was one weekend we did base camp two days. The next, the weekend before, Four, I think we did reggae. Reggae has always been one day. Base camp, we we experimented with two days. And then bluegrass, we only did one year of bluegrass in 2016. That was the only year we did that. But it went off really well. And honestly, it's just, um, you know, you're renting all this huge equipment and everything. Mm-hmm. So get the most out of your money. So if we can book one more big act on that Friday, that just cuts all of our costs down on all the other shows. So it's just more of a, a business decision than anything but you know it's also you know love of music and events too oh yeah how does booking work for the other festivals if they're not your obviously your primary interest is in electronic music what's it like booking uh bluegrass bands uh it's definitely different um it's not my forte but you know you work we have partners in um the reggae festival and the bluegrass festival that do reggae festivals and bluegrass festivals on their own. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, it's, it's a partnership and you just, you know, it's such a small promoter world in general. And then when you get into the Northern California, Northern Nevada scene with it all, it's even smaller. So I know every promoter from San Francisco around and you all communicate and you all talk to each other. You all talk about advice. You say, Hey, like recently I just asked a promoter in San Francisco, like, Hey, Agents hitting me up and saying, this is the bottom line for this artist. Is that what you're getting to? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, cool. Well, that's a San Francisco price. I'm a Reno guys. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm not paying that much. So, and that's the kind of, you gotta, you gotta do your homework on kind of things and not like, not get taken for a ride by the agent because the agent is all about the dollar. So, Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, my understanding is that Reno has a pretty active and good electronic music scene. I am, I don't go out to live music as much as I used to. I'm, <laughs> I'm almost 40. I, I'm not as much of a party person as maybe I might've been once upon a time, but, uh, but I understand that Reno has got a pretty lively electronic music scene. Can you talk a little bit about what makes that possible? Like what makes for a city that is good for electronic music and does Reno have those things kind of? So what's yeah. great about Reno is that we don't have a curfew. Okay. So yeah. 
with with electronic music. Hour that's that's amazing because you know this is where DJ culture came from was being outside, being out in the warehouse and doing it all night long till the sun came up mm-hmm. illegally. <laughs> so right. we don't have to worry about that here. Um, but I, the scene has grown here from being just a party scene to being. Oh yeah, we actually care about this style of music. Like, mm-hmm. we want. There's a whole network of people, like different cliques for different genres of music. But everyone supports each other, mm-hmm. and that's where the growth has really been: is the care and the, the communication between all these different cliques for all the different music, and not being just about the partying mm-hmm. and about being the music too, and the care for the venue and the care that. Oh, this venue does it right. This venue cares about the scene. This venue isn't just doing it to do it. Like, that's that's a huge part. Um, excellent. So, let's talk a little bit about Burning Man too, because I know that Burning Man. I always associate Burning Man as someone who's not heavily involved in the music scene, but I live in Reno and I talk about how Burning Man influences Reno's art scene. I say that basically every episode of this podcast, but it's always about the the sculptures it's the visual arts right and i know that people who go to burning man a lot sometimes are very cautious about describing it as a music festival because burning man is not coachella it's not a music festival it is its own thing but clearly there is this influence of the music from burning man right so how do you kind of balance that of like it's not a coachella it's not a music festival specifically but music is a huge part of it people are going to burning man to listen to electronic music and uh that is a huge part of the culture. So what's the difference basically between a music festival like a Coachella or like a base camp that is focused just on the music and Burning Man, which is much broader in terms of an arts event. Mm-hmm. Um, and how does the Burning Man music scene, do you think affect the music scene in Reno? Like okay, what, so what do we take from Burning Man in terms so of music? To me, Burning Man's not even a festival at all. It's, you know, it's just a city. Like <laughs> you can go find whatever you want in that city. Like whether it's a wine bar or a grilled, yeah, exactly. <laughs> a grilled cheese that comes off a car. Like it's, it's, it's not a festival. It's a gathering of like-minded people that want to do their shit together mm-hmm. um, and be creative and let your mind run wild. Um, and music just happens to fall in that category of things those people love and the music out there is definitely way different than like a dj will go out there and play specifically for burning man a burning man set which is way different than a set that you'd probably see him play on tour how how so like what's the difference between a burning man set and a non burning call man it, set i call it playa tech just because it's like <laughs> it's like it's like tech house but just way more repetitive um, it's not my favorite at all by any means. And I hardly go to any of those big cars that play that shit because it just bores me to death. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you'll find like whatever you want style out there. Like you'll find the drum and bass set. You'll find the, the funky disco set out there. Like you just got to look for it. Mm-hmm. And that's the best part is, you know, you want to go find something, you go out and try to look for it and you'll find something totally different than what you expected to find and you'll love it and you'll find something new. And that's the best part of Burning Man is just Mm -hmm. the experimenting of what you like, what experimenting with your mind. Like it just, it's all experience. Just go and 
figure it out as you go and experience everything all these other people from around the world are bringing. Have your experiences at Burning Man shaped your interest in music or the oh, genres 100%. that you like? How, how so? Do you go I to mean, Burning Man and then come back, you know, liking whole new things? The first and find year I went to Burning Man, I was definitely like a bass head. And I loved bass music. And when I came back from Burning Man, I was like, I'm a house head. <laughs> like, that was the year, like, Disclosure came out with their first album. And it was being played, like... Uh, the fire starts to burn was playing like every set. And I was just like, I love this. Like, this is amazing. This is, this is the vibe, the feels like everything I want my life in my life that I wasn't getting. And that's it. It changed like my whole path of DJing. And yeah, that, that was a huge, huge thing for me. And so Mm -hmm. burning man can, you guys can thank burning man for becoming, making me a house DJ. (laughs) I know uh, house music is kind of having a moment. I I don't follow that closely, but I understand like Drake's new album is heavily house influenced, and then Beyonce has some new track that oh, is basically a yeah, house they song. Said, oh, we brought house back. Shut the hell so, up! No, you did not. So like, I want to I want to know. I don't I don't know. I don't know anything about this. So tell me a little bit about kind of the uh, the shifts in genre popularity. And you mentioned some of that is driven by. Uh, the actual scene and these DJs and events like Burning Man, but then there's also this kind of really mainstream adoption of various genres of electronic music. Like you mentioned there was like a dubstep moment where that was basically everywhere for a second. I think that was driven by some really big artists. Uh, what's your experience been, or what do you kind of think about the conflict between the scene creating changes in what's popular and popular music and the mainstream kind of adopting those things? It's all is, Diplo's is, fault. Okay. <laughs> How so? I don't, I don't know anything about no. that. What happened? So, so what did Dip- Diplo do? I, I like Diplo is an idol of mine just because he's such a trendsetter and such a good businessman and like whatever he touches and wants to be popular will be popular. So if you've noticed, like he started in making like trap based music, rap beats, that shit was hot in the early 2000s. He, his sound progressed and progressed, kind of went into that electro kind of feel in the later uh early 2000s so like 2008 2009 2010 then he went into hard trap and all that kind of stuff and started his record label and then the mombaton scene like the um major laser with the reggae influence Mm -hmm. in it um the reggaeton kind of went with that and now now he's doing strictly house sets and that's what's popular now and so he is the trendsetter in music if whether it's underground or popular and he is he is the god for that gotcha so does it bother you when people say oh drake or beyonce or whatever are popularizing house music when no, really there's actual uh better I, artists or, no, or artists that are more more involved? It's, it's cool to me because yeah. then people are probably going to buy tickets to my house shows right so <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs> Uh, as far as Reno goes, so I know that Burning Man has his influence on Reno's music scene. You've been here for a while. Have you seen Reno's growth uh, as a city? So Reno's changed a ton in the last like 10, 15 years. A lot of people have moved here. A lot of new venues are opening, those kind of things. So have you seen Reno's growth just as a city affect its music scene along the so way? So I used to have a rule when I lived in South Lake. It was 24 hours. You go to a show. You do not stay any longer than 24 hours in Reno, and you get back to the lake. <laughs> I live here now. So that's, that's the biggest thing is like, it's cleaned up. Mm -hmm. It's been like, there's more venues to go to. There's like more safe venues to go to. Like you feel more comfortable, more places. Like that's the biggest thing. And the, 
you know, that the people that, you know, through the parties 15 years ago are still around and that they'll tell you the same thing. It's like, it, it's great because more people are into this. So the more people they're into, the better it's going to be and kind of weed out the riffraff as they say. Mm-hmm. So what venues do you like in Reno and what makes a good, what makes a good venue? You mentioned cargo. There's a bunch that have opened. So with all of this growth in Reno, you mentioned the venues. What do you like and what do you like about those venues? It's different for a promoter than it is for an attendee. Hmm. So the reason I like cargo is because it's very professional. It's very clean. Everyone that you work with is on top of it. You ask them to do something, they'll do it automatically. You know, settling up with payments and everything, super easy. It's you know, get your check signed right there and there. And you don't have to worry about it. There's other places where you have to fight for your money. And like they say, oh, yeah, that's not the deal. Or I didn't make that much money. And it's like, well, bro, we have a deal. So pay me my money. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I, I don't play that shit anymore. Like I've been through that. I've tried to help people out. You do your thing. But I'm not going to work with you if you're not going to stick to your word. Like be true to your word, man. It's not that hard. You say you're going to do something, do it. If you can't do it, tell me and we'll work something out. Don't just fucking bail on me and leave me to high and dry because guess what? I'll never work with you again. And there are venues in town that have done that. And guess what? They've never seen a base camp show since. Yeah. Is the professionalism improving or getting better over the years? It has. It definitely has. Um, And you know, what's great is when, these people come and ask you for your advice and ask for your help. And I'm more than happy to always do that. Like, even if it's, I have nothing to do with the show. Like I will, it's, you know, you have an issue with someone and saying, Hey, do you, what do you think about this deal and this deal? And like, Hey man, like plug your numbers in budget. If it makes sense. Yeah. Go ahead and do it. But I, you got to budget, you got to do things right. And this is a job. This is your profession act like it mm-hmm. yeah what's it like having a job that is so intertwined with people just having fun because most people have jobs that don't even have a fun element but working in the music world there is a really uh you know a big element of it's fun it's a party it's late at night it's nightlife but you just said it's a job it's a business there needs to be some level of professionalism how do you balance those two things of having a a fun job a wild job but a job that also at the end of the day needs to turn a profit and needs people to show up on time and uh you know needs to deliver what you're promising how do you balance those things or is that a challenge you think in your industry more than others uh it's definitely a challenge for i mean i've been doing this for 10 plus years almost now so you 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 figure it out like i when I first started, I was definitely partying, like <laughs> taking advantage of it. And then you grow. And I've luckily had great mentors, Paul Reeder, Steve Emmerich to like, you know, teach me their ways. And like, they've been in the game since for 20 plus years. So, you know, you, you follow your role models and hopefully you have good ones. <laughs> and You know, you, you act professional, just treat it like a job. You know, there'll be times to have let loose and let go, but remember that your responsibilities are because you want to keep doing this, right? Mm-hmm. That's your ultimate goal to keep doing it. Act like it. Right. Yeah. Party too hard and you want to have the job for that long. No, right? no one's going to want to work with a party animal. Like mm-hmm. they don't trust you. Yeah. Where do you think Reno's headed musically in the future? I always kind of like to look forward. Reno's growing. It's changing a lot. What would you like to see from Reno? Is it more venues? Is it more ability to book bigger acts? Um, like, I think what's, just, what's your hopes? I think I, I would like to see just m- more people step outside their boundaries and try new venues, try new genres and not get stuck in their ways. Like 
you know, I'm a househead, but I'll go to a drum and bass show. I'll go support some some bass show, you know. I, I don't tailor myself to one pigeonhole. Like, I want more people to experiment with different things and try different genres of music. The probably only show you will never see me at is a country show. <laughs> but other than that, other than that, you'll pro- I would go to pretty much, you could see me at any other show, I'm sure. Well, you're probably in the wrong city then, because we probably do have some country shows oh, yeah, in Reno, right? Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of fun. One of the fun things about Reno is I think we do have uh, a really kind of weird mishmash of types of people who live here who are interested in very, very different things. But we all share a community in some of the same venues and some of the same. uh, We know some of the same people, right? Even if we're not Mm -hmm. in the same things. I do kind of think it's kind of fun that even if I'm not going to a country show, like I'm glad they're here. Yeah. I mean, any place that people are having a good time. Great. That's great. And it's fun to hear, like, uh, mostly this comes from, like, security guards that work at venues is, wow, I actually liked that. And it was like a bass show or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I loved when he, like, remixed the Disturbed track. <laughs> I'm like, good, because I didn't. But <laughs> I'm glad right. somebody, somebody made happy. <laughs> Some for everyone, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought maybe we could do a little Q&A if we want to. Does anyone in the audience have any questions for me and Nick about our local music scene or anything else? Well, you got a question. Yeah, for those that aren't as familiar with the electronic music scene, we hear those terms house and bass quite a lot. And I, my metaphor is for those that aren't as familiar with the marijuana scene, they, they hear Indica Sativa. It's like the two big categories. Uh, so could you describe a little bit about the difference between house and bass? Yeah, so electronic music is all genreed by the speed of the beat. So when we talk in bass music, we're talking like... 90 bpms beats per minute and then it goes up to maybe like 110 that's probably the max for like dubstep or and then it kind of gets into like more of a trappy feel um once you get higher up the mumbaton um some mid-tempo stuff could mid-tempo could be even techno honestly or it could be house or it could be disco and it, it really just it starts with the speed of the track so once you get higher up it's kind of when you build into your faster beats, which is more of your house um, and that kind of vibe. And then when you get really high up is when you get into like your side trance and all that. <laughs> that that's, you know, the faster it is, it, it, you, there's a whole dichotomy of it. You just Google it. <laughs> <laughs> and do those different, uh, like the different BPMs and the different speeds, does that, as a, as a DJ, does that kind of, create a different dynamic in the crowd as a major result of the different genre like when you have a different type of beat and a different type of kind of like hardness of the beat does that create a completely different environment in your crowd yes yeah totally but i mean like even bass music can be like chill and mellow just like a a house track can be chill and mellow or a house track can be a bass house track and just light the place on fire just like some dub steps track would be so it Really, it, it, there's a vibe in every kind of track. It's just where you're going to go in your set. Like, what, 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 read your crowd. What are they here for? What else is, who else is on the lineup? What are they playing? What are they known for? And, you know, find your vibe in there. Mm-hmm. Another question. What are your goals for the next five years? Uh, sell my festival to Live Nation and retire. 
Ah. I'm curious about that, too, because there's these giant festivals. We didn't even get into, like, the business of festivals, but I am a little curious. Is that uh, is that the goal for a festival like yours is to to be acquired or to partner with a larger organization? Yeah, because um, how does that How does that work? Bankroll. Yeah. <laughs> does, is that how other festivals have happened in the past? What, is, what does that industry look like? Yeah, so, I mean, if you look like an insomniac who's, like, the biggest promoter of electronic music there is, they, what, maybe eight, ten years ago got bought out by Live Nation because Live Nation saw what they're doing with electronic music and selling hundreds of thousands of tickets to one event. Mm-hmm. So that's when the conglomerate comes in. You know, Rot- Pasquale Rotel is still the face of the company and still, you know, puts the image out and creates the vibe and everything. But guess what? He's got an unlimited bankroll to make all this happen now. Mm-hmm. That's what I would like. Um, to happen is, you know, I would love a payday out of mm-hmm. that and still create the vibe and the energy of what Basecamp is because it's my baby. I helped start it, mm-hmm. and that that would be my five year goal. Yeah, what goes into that? How do you how do you make your festival so appealing that someone wants to to partner with you? You uh, is it just you, sell the tickets? You, f- you find the right location, you sell it out, you get the 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 talk back from you know people talking about it online and video footage will speak for itself so i mean they know they see Mm -hmm. it they know what everyone else is doing it's big brother in the promoter world (laughs) right uh so tell me when is Basecamp? how can people get tickets how can people uh connect and learn more about it yeah so Basecamp happens july 23rd uh, at hard rock outdoors Um, we create a whole whole arena out of the parking lot so we bring in thirty thousand square feet of grass shade structures galore there's multiple stages art cars um it's 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 a real deal festival we're actually uh programming the pool this year too for our vip pass holders so you'll be able to have a pool party at hard rock too um if you buy the vip passes you can buy tickets at basecampfest.com uh or tixer.com and search basecamp festival um yeah and then the bluegrass festival is the day before on the 22nd that friday uh headlined by phil lesh and friends and phil if you don't know who phil lesh is he's one of the founding members of the grateful dead so that's pretty huge um dirt wire leftover salmon uh little smokies california honey drops some big names on that uh and then the day after base camp the sunday i like to call it my recovery day it will be all reggae with slightly stupid uh soja Dirty Heads, uh, that that's a huge lineup as well. So this is definitely the biggest lineup of shows that we've ever done. And to headline uh, Basecamp, we have Slander, Adventure Club, Flux Pavilion. Uh, th- those are huge, huge names too. So um, definitely get your tickets now, save some money, get your lodging in order, and let's have a good time. Excellent. Well, what else do you want people to know about you, the music scene in Reno, about festivals? What did we miss? Uh, come see me if you see Roger that on a flyer. Uh, do it. It's a good time, I promise. And um, you'll get to see me act stupid on stage. Excellent. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on Reno Whites for being my first live guest on the show. Thank you, everyone in the crowd, for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I love thank you so love much. Um, I don't know how to end the episode. That's it. That's it. Thank you all so much for being here. Thank you for tuning in. We have a giveaway for folks in the crowd for base camp ticks, but we'll take that off of the actual recording. Thank you all again so much for being here. 
And Cheers. thank you so much, Nick, yeah. for being on the show. My pleasure. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this bonus live episode of Renoites, my first live episode, but it will not be the last. This is likely to be a monthly event at Black Rabbit Mead. Next date for a live Renoites recording is July 27th. That's Wednesday, July 27th. So follow me on social media, especially on Instagram at Renoites for updates for my next guest. Not sure who it's going to be yet, but local artists every month, live recordings at Black Rabbit Mead. Thank you so much for putting this together, Will, from Black Rabbit Mead. Thank you so much to Nick for being my guest for this first go at a live episode. And thank you so much for the people who came to the live taping. Really great to have a live audience for recording the episode. Thank you, as always, to my VIP patrons. Thank you so much, Vicky from DJ Trivia, Emily from Growing Up Reno Tahoe, Mike from Downtown Makeover, and Abby Whitaker from the Abbey Agency. Thank you so much for your financial support of the show. It really makes a huge difference. I will be back with new regular episodes in late August. I'm taking a little bit of a break for the summer. If you have suggestions for guests for the next season, please let me know. Shoot me an email, Connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. Looking forward to these live tapings in the coming months and new episodes in the fall. If you'd like to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. I would love for you to subscribe to my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash renoites. Throw a couple bucks a month my way to show your support for the show. That really does help encourage me and hopefully make the show eventually financially sustainable. Also, I will be vending at the Northern Nevada Pride Festival. That is on Saturday, July 23rd. Come find my booth. I'm going to have t-shirts, stickers. It'll be a really great opportunity to meet some listeners. So I hope to see you there. Thanks as always for listening. Have a great summer. 